We are continuing our tour through the book of Genesis, looking at the characters. We're finding leaders and losers. And uh, here in this session, we're going to primarily just find leadership. And what's interesting about this chapter is it's primarily the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be seeing that. And so as we look at Genesis chapter 24, the first thing that I want you to understand is this actually happened. This is, a, this is the, the record of an event that took place in history. It's not a legend. It's not just a story. We're going to be learning some things spiritually from this story. But what happened was there was a man, his name was Abraham, and God had promised Abraham that he would give him a son and from this son, he would make a great nation. Well, the problem was, Abraham got old. When he was 100 years old, he didn't have a son yet. Can you imagine not having a son? And God had promised him that he would. And so, God fulfilled his promise. And at 100 years old, he had a son. And I can't remember how old Sarah was. I think she was at least 90. 90 years old. When she had Isaac, can you imagine that? What an amazing miracle. And then last week we looked at Genesis chapter 22 where God told Abraham to take his son, his only son Isaac, and take him up on top of the mountain and sacrifice him there. You say, wait a minute, I thought human sacrifice was wrong. It is. That's why God didn't allow it to go all the way through. But he was testing Abraham's heart. And he wanted him to paint a picture of something wonderful. And of course, Abraham was the picture of the father offering his son. Isaac was the son willingly offered for us. The sacrifice, of course, is our substitute. And when they came down off of the mountain, that was the picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all of that is demonstrated for us in the scriptures. And every bit of that is demonstrated in the New Testament as having been a type. So now let me explain something to you before we get into this chapter. A biblical type is where God gives something in the Bible and then later says that that particular person or item specifically represented something else. And the Bible explains what those types were. So before we get to Genesis 24, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 to get an example of this. What I want you to see is the difference, before we dive into the message, I want you to see the difference between a type and a picture. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac... And he that had received the promises, that's Abraham, he had received the promises of Isaac and the new nation. And he, had that, who, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure, in a figure, so this is saying that God was going to raise Jesus Christ up from the dead and that was given to us in Isaac as a figure. So we see that Isaac was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Word of God. So that's what a biblical type is. But now let's go to Genesis chapter 24 and I want you to see the difference between a type and a picture. All right? 
Genesis chapter 24 and verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. Now, that's not language that we might use, but how many of you understand what it means to be well stricken in age? We played football at our uh, church picnic. And you know what I found? I am well stricken in age. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. And uh, so we understand. But you know that God never weakens. He never gets tired. God never gets old. He has no age. So even though Abraham was a type of Christ, no one, no one can embody or personify in every way the God of the ages. Amen? So we understand that that a type is a specific characteristic that God then later in Scripture reveals the type. All right? What we're going to see in this chapter is a picture, an amazing picture of salvation. Is there anyone here, you know for sure that if you died today, you're going to heaven. You, You know for sure. What we're going to see today in this story the story of Isaac and Rebekah and Eliezer the servant, we're going to see what God did to bring you to himself. It's an amazing thing. And we're going to look at these pictures. But before we get into the pictures, we need to understand what happened. Abraham needed a bride for his son. Now, now let me explain something to you. If he's going to make a great nation of the son, the son's going to need a bride. Amen? It's one of those things. If you don't understand how that works, come see me afterwards. We'll talk about it. But So he needed a bride... And he sends his servant to go to another country, to the, to the country of Abraham's homeland, and find him a bride. And the servant does. He goes and he, and he makes this test. The, the, the lady that would be the, the, the bride, he would go and he would ask her to give him water. And if she would say, yes, I'll give it to you and I'll feed your camels also, that'll be the right one. Now, it's interesting. I wonder how many of our ladies, if someone asked you for a drink, would say, yes, and I'll feed your camels also. Would you say, get your own drink? And it's interesting. I think most of the women would have said, get your own drink. But there was one special one, Rebecca, and she gave him to drink and she went and fed his camels or, or watered his camels. Now, now, I want you to think about something. We hear that watering his camels. How many of you know that camels can go a long way without water? Do you know why? Because they drink a lot. Can you imagine what a job it was watering ten camels? And this lady went out and did it. It's just a neat thing. And it really happened. And when she did that, he gave her earrings and bracelets. And all the ladies said, Amen. And those were tokens. Those were tokens of what she would get when she met the bridegroom. And then she, he said to her, said, do you have room in your house for us? And she said, yes, come to my house. She went to his house and he meets the brother Laban. And Laban, man, it's like a cartoon. You know, when you see Laban, because when Laban sees the earrings and bracelets and find out they have money, Laban says, come on in. It's hilarious when you see it. So then... He says, will you go with me back to my homeland and meet the groom? 
And she says, yes, I'll go with him. And she goes all the way back and she sees Isaac. And when she sees Isaac, she jumps down off of her camel, covers herself and bows down before him. And he takes her and he loves her, takes her into his father. Into his, he takes her into his mother's tent and loves her. And she becomes his bride. And from that, we have the Jewish people. The whole Jewish race comes from that. It's an amazing story. It's a wonderful love story. Now, I learned primarily that I'm going to have someone pick the bride for my son, Jacob. I'm going to have someone pick the groom for my daughter, Lydia. How many of you honestly would be for arranged marriages? You'd be for that. Man, I would. I, I would. You say, that knucklehead's not marrying my daughter. We'll get this one over here. All right, anyway. Different message. No. It's not going to happen until she's like 40 anyway, so... So all of that happened. Now, how many of you believe all of that happened? Amen? Here's the deal. If you're a guest with us and you're not familiar with Grace Baptist Church, we don't just talk about the Bible. We believe every word of this book. We believe every word of it has been preserved and inspired by a supernatural almighty God. And it's, all of it has been written for our admonition, our learning. And we're going to learn some things this morning. I want you to see... Genesis chapter 24. Let's look at this. I want you to see that this is a picture of the Holy Spirit coming after you and me. Verse 1, And Abraham, when he was old and well-stricken in age, or, and Abraham was old and well-stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest, ser unto his eldest servant of his house, now look at what it says here, that ruled over all he had. This servant, don't think of him as a slave. Think of him as a business partner. And that's what he was. This is the one that had control over everything that Abraham had. And when you remember that God the Father ordains, God the Son speaks, and God the Holy Spirit executes, carries out what God the Father and God the Son have said. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So here you have this person is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God and God has given everything that we need to the Holy Spirit for our power. All right? Now, if, you're, if you would get a Bible in front of you, I want everybody, if you don't have a Bible with you, get one from the pew in front of you because we're going to be looking at the words here and if you don't have a Bible in front of you, it won't make any sense to you at all. So make sure that you get a Bible. All right? Now, and Abraham said, unto, verse 2, unto his eldest servant of his house that had ruled over all he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. So here's what he's saying to his servant. My son needs a daughter, and I want you to go and find a daughter for my son. Or, my son needs a wife. And I want you to go and find a wife for my son. But I don't want him to be a Canaanite. I don't want him to be a Canaanite. He can't be a Canaanite. Now, we understand prophetically why that was, that Jesus Christ had to come from a pure Jewish race. Amen? But there's something that we learn here. There's something that we learn, that a believer is different from an unbeliever. We become a part of a new nation. We're, we're, we're new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. And then we're made ambassadors of the king. We're, we're different. We're different. Um, 
So the servant is sent by the father to get a bride for the son. And I want you to see something in verse 5. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. I must needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence, or must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. So now remember what had happened. God had brought Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees and brought him into the promised land. And now Isaac has been born. Isaac is a full-grown man now, and he's there in the promised land. And he says, he's not going back. He came one time, one time into the world. He's not coming back again. You need to understand something about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. He was born of a virgin at Christmas. Amen? He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified, was buried for three days, rose again, walked the earth for 40 more days, and then ascended to his Father and is now at the right hand of God. He's not coming back until it's time to establish his kingdom. You've got to get that. He's not coming back into the land. And I want you to notice something that's very important if you're going to get this. Look at Genesis chapter 22 and verse 7. This is when they're going up on the mountain. Abraham is taking Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice him. And Isaac didn't know this yet. Look at verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood... But where is the lamb for burnt offering? Where is the lamb? This is a question that we all have to answer. Where is the lamb? Now, you've got to understand, Jesus Christ, when he came, he took on flesh and bones. In Hebrews chapter 10, thou hast prepared for me a body. When he rose from the dead, he went to Thomas and he said, here, here's my hands. Put your fingers in, my, in the nail prints. Put your fist in my side. He had a physical, literal body. And you also need to understand that Jesus Christ has location. He's still God. He can do anything He wants to do. But we need to understand, where is the Lamb? Where is the Lamb? Well, the Lamb came and was born. He was born of a virgin. Do you remember about 33 years later, about 30 years later, there's a man walking who had, had seen Him one time before. Well, not really seen Him. When Mary came he was still in his mother's belly but when mary came he leapt inside elizabeth why because the lamb was near a while later he was preaching and he saw someone and said behold the lamb of god which taketh away the sins of the world the bible says that jesus christ was brought as a lamb to the slaughter he didn't speak he stayed quiet and he sacrificed himself. Then he rose from the dead. Where is the lamb? The Bible tells us in Revelation chapters 4 and 5 that the lamb is around the throne. Where is the lamb? He is seated at the right hand of God making intercession for us. That's where the lamb is. Do you know where the lamb is not? The lamb is not back here on this earth right now. What's the point? What's the point? Some people are waiting for Jesus Christ to appear before them and say, I want you to believe in me. He's not going to. He sent his servant, the Holy Spirit, to tell you about him. Jesus Christ is not going to come and show you his nail prints. 
He's not going to do that. Why? Because he came into the world, he came into his own, and his own received him not. Now he left. And now he says, whom not seeing, we believe. You see, the Holy Spirit is drawing us to the Father, drawing us to the Son. He's not going to visit you in your hospital bed. He's not going to come back in the sky and give you chills. If you do not respond to the, to the servant of the bridegroom, you will not be a part of the bride. He came one time to the cross and went back to the Father. The Holy Spirit has gone out into the world and will show you the Father and the Son. But I want you to see something from verse 5. And Abraham said, or in chapter 24 and verse 5, And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. You need to understand something. The bride has the opportunity to resist. The girl can refuse the offer. And the servant understood this. He said to the father, what if she says no? But look at his answer. Verse 7. And the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He, he shall send his angel before thee. And thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. Verse 8. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. Here, here's what it is. The servant is going to go and give the girl the offer. If she says no, you know what God said? Let her say no. But the son's not going to come to her again. The Holy Spirit has made you an offer of eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. When, when we get saved, we become engaged to the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. That's what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul wrote his books and he said, I want to present you as a chaste virgin to the bridegroom when he comes. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become a part of the bride, and Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. When eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ is offered to you by the Holy Spirit, you have the opportunity to refuse. You can say no. And God's not going to bring Jesus Christ to you physically for you to receive Him. All you have is the servant's message. You can receive it or reject it. That's what's happening in the text. Then, so we said that the servant was sent by the Father. The woman has a will and can resist. Jesus is not going to come back for the bride again or come back to the land until he comes for the bride. Then letter D. All, look at verse 10. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed. For all the goods of his master were in his hand. You see, all that the father had was in the hands of the servant. And the servant is sent to reveal the riches of the father. Now, let me see, show you where this is. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, I have this cross-reference written in the margin of my Bible. It might be good for you to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
And look at verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now I want you to understand something. It's never entered into your mind everything that God has for you. If you're saved, you don't, you don't have any idea what God's riches are really like. How many of you, sometimes somebody describes something to you, but then when you saw it, you said, it's beyond words. It's beyond words. That is the riches of God. But look at the next verse. But God, verse 10, hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. You see, you will never understand what God has for you unless the Spirit reveals it to you through His Word. Let me give you an example. I believe that heaven has streets of gold. Now, I've never been there. But I believe that it's true because the Holy Spirit has revealed that to us in His Word. Amen? Gates of pearl, streets of gold. We're going to be there in the presence of the Lamb. We're not going to need the sun because the Lamb will be the light. I believe all of those things because they've been revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. And that's what's going on here. When, when the servant comes to meet the girl, she doesn't know the riches of Abraham. She doesn't know anything about it. All she knows is what the servant tells her, what the servant reveals. Then, next... Genesis 24, look at verse 11. I want you to notice that the servant is not laboring for his own pleasure, but for the pleasure of the Father. This is one of the most important parts of this message. Look at verse 12. Verse 11. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water, at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God, now notice this, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. You see, he's not asking for something of himself. He's praying for something for his master. What's going on in this text very clearly is that the servant is not laboring for his own pleasure, but for the pleasure of the father. And you need to get this. I don't know what your religious background is, but if your religious background is a church that is always exalting the Holy Spirit, then what you're doing in that church is you are undermining the plan of God. Because the Holy Spirit does not speak of himself. Jesus Christ said that when the spirit of truth has come, he will not speak of himself. But whatsoever the father and the son say, that will he speak. That's what the Bible says. So here the servant isn't asking for things for himself. He's saying what the father wants. That's what I'm going to do. I want you to notice something. The servant's not even named. We know it's Eliezer because of Genesis chapter 15. But throughout this whole story, he is never, ever named. We don't know who he is. What are the names of the Holy Spirit in the Bible? Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost. Comforter. 
What are the other names of the Holy Spirit? There aren't any. How about Jesus? Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, Fe- P- Prince of Peace. How about God the Father, El Shaddai, Elohim? Uh, uh, all of these names that we can go through. God has many names that describe who He is. Jesus Christ have me- has many names who describes who He is. How about the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, the Comforter. Why? Because His role, the role of the Holy Spirit, is to exalt the Father and the Son through the Word and to bring you to the Son and then the Father. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. That's what He does. And that's what the servant is doing here. He's not even named here. It's all about the Master. Next, look at verses 13 and 14. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. You need to understand something. The servant reveals the father and the son to a woman who would meet certain conditions. She would meet certain conditions. Now, we understand salvation is all by the grace of God. Amen? If you are saved, if you are born again, that is because it is a gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, even the faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So salvation is clearly, it's a gift. But you remember the parable of the sower? The sower went and scattered seed. Right? And some of it fell on fallow ground. Some of it fell on thorny ground. Some of it fell on rocky ground. Some of it fell on good ground. So let me ask you a question. Did all of that seed bloom and bring forth fruit? No. Just the seed that fell on the good ground. Now let me ask you a question. Was there anything wrong with the seed? What was the problem? The ground. You might be here this morning, and the gospel has been given to you over and over and over again. The Bible says that the seed, Jesus Christ explains that story. He says the seed is the word, the word of God. That seed has been sown in your life over and over and over again. You've been told over and over again that you're a sinner, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. And if you will confess your sin and believe that Jesus is God, that he died and rose from the dead, confess him as Savior, he will forgive you for your sin and save you. You've been told that over and over and over again, but you didn't respond. See, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The problem's in the soil. 
There's, he was looking for someone. And he went out and made an offer. But she had to respond. She had to have a receptive heart. There had to be good soil. You say, well, maybe Jesus hasn't offered it to me. Maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't offered it to me. Did Jesus Christ die on the cross? Well, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So let me ask you a question. Are you a part of the human race? If you're not a part of the human race, maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't offered to you. If you are a part of the human race, he has. But just like we saw all the way back in verse 5, you can reject it or you can receive it. You see, he prayed. He prayed that the one who he presented it to would be ready and meet the condition. What's the condition? I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Until a person humbles himself, he will never see Jesus and be saved. There were many women in this area, but only one humbled herself and behaved like a servant. You know, all those years ago when we went and preached in uh, Africa, went to Ghana, Myself, I, I would preach and we had some workers there and we did vacation Bible school and some 1,600 people got saved that week. We preach the gospel here every week. And sometimes people get saved, but not very often. What's the difference? There in Africa, those people have been humbled. They've been humbled. They're poor. The Bible says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's easy for a poor man to humble himself. It's hard for a rich man. Here in America, we're all rich, man. We don't need anything. We, I don't need God. I'm okay. My life's been fine. Everything's good. It's all rosy. It's all peachy. Well, I'll tell you what. One day you're going to bow. One day you're going to bow. The Bible says he has exalted him. He hath also exalted him and given him a name. Speaking of Jesus, that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of Father of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. So it doesn't matter whether you're saved or not, alive or dead. One day you will bow before the Son of God. You will. You will. And the Holy Spirit has given you that offer over and over and over again. And here's the Holy Spirit in our text offering the bride. Offering to Rebecca to become the bride. Look at verse 22. She does this. She, she responds properly. Look at verse 22. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking... That the man took a golden earring, this is the servant, and of, of half a shekel weight, and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold, and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? He makes an offer to her. Can we come? Can we come to your house? Do you know what the Holy Spirit does? Do you remember what it says in Revelation chapter 3? When Jesus Christ is standing outside the door, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in unto him and sup with him. Jesus Christ, now that's talking about the church at Laodicea. But what the Holy Spirit is doing is the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door. And he's saying, will you let us come into your house? Will you let us come in? Will you let us come in? The servant asked the woman to receive him by faith into her home. Well, 
What did she get? Some earrings and bracelets. Some earrings and bracelets. Now, how many of you ladies like earrings and bracelets? I want to ask how many of you guys like earrings and bracelets. I know some of you do, but again, that's another sermon. Um, why is that just, just a, a little gift? Because that's the earnest of the inheritance of the purchased possession. That's the, that's the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that you're rich? Do you know that you own everything in the world along with God and Jesus Christ if you're saved? The Bible says that He has made us heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. When she received the gift, when she received the message, when she received the Spirit, just based on a little bit of information, she received the token. And now look at what happens. Verse 27, verse 27, it says, let's just read verse 23. And he said, whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, and she bare, uh, uh, which she bare unto Nahor. She said moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. Now look at what happens, verse 26. And the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. That's what happens when someone receives. The Spirit thanks the Father. Verse 27, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren, and the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. Do you know what happens when you receive Jesus Christ? Do you know what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit and you get saved? Do you know what happens? You've got to tell somebody. You've got to go and you've got to tell somebody. How many of you ladies remember when you got engaged? How many of you have tried to forget? But you remember, and after you got engaged, I guarantee you, you ran around like this for the next month. You had to tell somebody. You had to show somebody. Do you know what? Here you have a woman at the well who has received a gift, and she's got to go and tell somebody. Does that remind you of anything else? There was another woman at the well that Jesus Christ came and met. And do you know what she did? She ran back and listened to what she said. I found a man. I think maybe the man found her. Amen? But what did she say? Who hath told me all things whatsoever I've done. Look at what this woman does. Verse 28, And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. Do you know what that reminds me of? And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now look at what she says. Verse 29, And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man unto the well. And it came to pass, look at verse 30, when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon his sister's hands. Do you know what you have to have before you give the gospel to someone that knows you? Maybe even your family? Maybe there ought to be some changes that are evident. He saw what the Spirit 
had given her. Now look at what it says. The earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands. Now look at what it says. And when he heard the words of Rebekah his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me. She went and she told him the words that had been told her. How are you supposed to give the gospel? Let me tell you what God did for me. That's how you give your testimony. It's the same thing. Now, when she went and told others, now let me say this, uh, I wanna, don't want to skip this. Romans 10.9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know there's no such thing as a secret Christian. Are you saved? Well, that's personal. I, I don't talk about it. Well, then you're probably not saved. Then, um, letter I, the, the next, you don't care about my outline. When she went and told others about the servant, the father, and the son, others believed the testimony. Look at what it says in verse 31. This is Laban. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. When other people hear our testimony, they believe. When God passes your way and you start speaking about Jesus Christ from His Word, other people will believe the testimony. Then look at verse 32. And the man came into the house and he ungirded his camels and gave straw and provender for the camels and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. Verse 33. And there was set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And now look at this. And he said, speak on. Do you want to know what happens when you get saved? You'd rather spend time with the Holy Spirit of God than even eat. Remember what Job said? I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. When you first got saved, you couldn't wait to get in the Word of God. You couldn't wait for someone to teach you something else. You couldn't wait for someone, as the Bible says, to speak the wonderful words of God or talk about the wonderful works of God. Huh. That's what happens when the Word of God comes into your life. Something changes. You get a desire and a taste for the Word of God. i got to tell you, there are people that say they are born again. Tell me if you know anybody that's like this. They claim to be born again, but they show zero interest for the things of God, the preaching of the Word of God, or the church of God. Does anybody know anybody like that? Now, I don't know anybody's heart. I'm not the judge. Isn't that good? But if that's you... If you claim to be born again and have zero interest in the things of God or the Word of God, you can go years without touching a Bible or understanding anything from the Word. You better check to see whether or not you're saved. You need to make sure. The Bible says make your calling and election sure. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You need to make sure that you're saved. This stuff is real. Amen? Amen? Then, look at verse... 
Um, look at verse 35. Verse 34, and he said, I am Abraham's servant. Now, they didn't know that yet. He says, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my father's house and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son. And I said unto my master, peradventure, the woman will not follow me. What's going on here? He repeats everything that had already happened. Do you know what happens after you get saved? You start learning all the things that the Holy Spirit ordered in your life to see you come to him. After, after you get saved, you find out that it wasn't by chance that you sat next to that person in the lunchroom. It wasn't by chance that your parents moved to that city and you were invited to that church so that you could hear the gospel. All of a sudden you find out that God had ordered these things in your life so that you could come to know Him and be saved. But it's not until after that. What we want, we want all of our ducks in a row before we make our commitment. It's not until after you make the initial response that the Spirit begins to reveal everything. That he had done. You will not understand the Bible until you hear it from the ones who were there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that's dwelling in you, revealing it to you. She later learns what happened without her knowledge. Look at verse 42. And I said, This day unto the well, and I came this day unto the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper, my way which I go. And he says, if that's going to happen, and he tells what's going to happen at the well, you know what he says to her? Before you got to that well, I was praying for you. The one that was willing to be the bride of Isaac, that he'd come this way, that she would come this way. And now the Holy Spirit begins telling you everything that he did. You grow in the Word and in the Lord. We're going to look later at everything that happens when you get saved. But none of that happens until you get saved. Is there anyone here you're saved? You know for sure that if you died today, you're going to heaven. How many of you, when I said that, you started thinking of the things that God ordered in your life to bring you to the place of salvation? Let me ask you a question. How many of you would have chosen those things? No. No. My dad, he got saved when he was in high school. Senior in high school, a friend invited him to church. He went to church, heard the gospel for the first time and got saved. He got saved. But his family disowned him when he told them that he wanted to be a preacher. They wouldn't go to his high school graduation. They disowned him. But because of that sacrifice, my dad left home and met my mom. But my mom came from a Roman Catholic family. Her mother was an alcoholic who would lock her out of the house during the day so she could get drunk. 
mom was invited. It was the, the president of U.S. Steel was a Christian. And he decided to start a Bible study. And he brought his limousine through their neighborhood and invited these kids to get in the limousine and come to a Bible study. Mom got saved. She went to Bible college. And there, neither one of my parents from Christian homes, neither one of them from Christian homes, they come to Bible college and they meet. They both bear the reproach of their families. They meet. And you know what? I get to be raised in a Christian home and preach the gospel. I get to be called as pastor of Grace Baptist Church and God brings people to this place. I preach the gospel and they receive Christ and get saved. I think of the people here that have been saved since we've been here. Stacy New, Maureen Joins. How many of you have been saved since, since we've been here at Grace Baptist? Now, do you think that I would have chosen my parents to be disowned? No. But God ordered every bit of that so that you guys could hear the gospel. And what am I? I'm just the messenger bringing words from the king. That's all any of us are. God has worked in your life. And it's possible that God has worked in your life through all of these years to bring you to this message today for you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You may have known about the king for a long time. I promise you Laban and the family knew who Abraham was. You think? Yeah. But they didn't know the son until the servant revealed it. Look, you may know a lot about the Bible. You may know a lot about God. But until you come to the Father through the Son, by the drawing of the Holy Spirit, you are not born again. It could be that God has ordered your steps to be here in this place today. If He has, you can reject it. And God will send the Spirit on His way and the Spirit will have done His work and not be under any obligation to you. But He'd rather that you become a part of the bride. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word.